This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Taylor. Today joined by the full squad, David, Brady, and Jordan. Uh, Today we're going to get it started uh, on a little bit more of a somber note. Um, If you're listening to this and you have looked outside or been on the internet in the last three weeks, you know that there's a lot of stuff going on in our country right now. Um, That's kind of been a little bit as to the reason why we haven't been as active on social media as of late. Um, It's often that people look to sports or to sports media as a distraction from their real life issues and the things that are going on in their lives. But in a certain respect, it almost feels like for us that adding to that distraction isn't what our country needs right now. And even though on a small scale, it just feels important to recognize that there's an important conversation happening nationally and that we wanted to not detract from that. So there it is. Yeah, I struggled with even really wanting to talk about sports myself, and I that I never do that. I always want to talk about sports all the time, but I just hit a, a sense of, I don't know, apathy towards sports. The sports world seemed kind of small in relation to the important issues that were facing America head on, and... So for me, it wasn't even just what Taylor just touched upon, although that was definitely part of it. It was also just, it just seemed so unimportant. And I don't know, maybe we would have been part of the problem if this all happened with George Floyd and all of the very valid protests going on in the middle of sports season and not in the middle of a pandemic where people are kind of on their, in their houses, what have you. I don't know if there was a game, you know, the weekend after if we had stuff to cover might have been different. And I hope that we could have still met the moment like most of this country did. But given everything that is currently happening, it just felt it didn't feel the time to talk about George State Athletics. But we're working back now, which is good because, you know, while yes, Obviously, we need to have those tough conversations, especially about, you know, police brutality um, and just kind of a general larger conversation about racism. You know, sports do provide us that outlet and provide, you know, a microphone for certain individuals to be able to speak out for people who can't speak out for themselves. You know, obviously on a much more national scale we've seen you know some nba players some nfl players kind of getting in on the discussion um and that's kind of really ignited a more vocal situation from college players as well who you know and we can talk about it in a second just who specifically has spoken up and what they've said but Sports, even if they're not being played, still definitely provide that microphone for people. And, you know, this is absolutely the time for people to be speaking up and saying, you know, their truth. Yeah, I mean, from there being continual allegations of coaches or strength coaches, you know, I'm thinking there is the Utah defensive coordinator, I think, is getting there's an investigation going based on his use of language. Um, the Iowa strength coach, I think is now a recent agreement to leave the Texas, the Texas Austin 
you know, text of the Texas's back fame, their players are saying we want to change this fight song or this school song that has racial connotation and they have certain things they're asking for. I think before they do any university sanctioned events or something. Um, and it's a lot of people who hadn't been you speaking up before felt emboldened to speak up at this particular level, starting to do it and starting to do it all around the country and we're seeing change. And so it's something that we've had moments like this before where the race relations in the countries, the shortfalls there have been brought into the national conversation. And we haven't seen at quite the scale that we're seeing right now, people speak up about college coaches, about college programs. And I hope that this is a way that college football can help advance the conversation in other ways than just serving as a distraction. I mean, they're not afraid to speak out right now. Players are feeling very comfortable talking about their experiences, what they have been made to feel uncomfortable or feel hated or feel whatever way, whatever feeling that they have described as feeling. Um, It's not necessarily my place to over explain what they're feeling because I don't know what it was, but it wasn't anything good. And it is something that they feel comfortable speaking about. And I think that is only a good thing because not getting this stuff out in the open doesn't move anything forward in this country. You know, all of that is to say we appreciate, you know, the things that certain players and coaches and, you know, just kind of generally the conversation that's going on around the country right now. And we are, you know, fortunate that from the looks of it, things at Georgia state have not, in a place to where we want to question anybody on, you know, either the football staff or the basketball staff. Um, And, you know, we really believe that, you know, the coaching staff at Georgia state, their hearts are in the right place. You know, we saw coach Elliott and some of the other uh, coaches, you know, posting things on social media in the past couple of weeks to really show their support. Um, And, you know, that I personally hope that that connects with, the players and the fans in a way that really helps people understand kind of the moment um, and understand where things are and, you know, and how we move forward from here now that we have kind of shown some light on different things that are still troubling this country as a whole. Before we went off of this, I just wanted to touch on that specifically as to what Georgia state staff or former Georgia state staff are doing former basketball assistant, Travis Williams, the interim coach before Coach Lanier got here, was involved in setting up a Coaches for Change rally that's happening later this week in Atlanta. And so wanted to highlight that he is doing the good work, putting action out there to try and bring some change. And we really appreciated Coach Williams' time at Georgia State and thought he was the perfect interim coach for the moment. And this continues to show the good work that he is doing in general. Shout out, Coach Williams. We actually do have a little bit of football news to talk about. Um, Players have been reporting to campus since the beginning of June. First, obviously, coronavirus um, has thrown a big wrench in a lot of the regular going-ons of like an off-season workout program. Uh, So there are different workout rules in place, how many players can be in 
ability at once. Um, there really isn't really much more to talk about past that, but there are players that are back at campus getting their summer workout program. And as of right now, we're still on for Murray State on September 5th. As we'll obviously hear from us if something like that changes. As of right now, we're still operating, hopefully looking forward business as usual, with modified workouts, essentially. I think one thing that should definitely be stated, though, is uh, we want to play. Like, just just by the way, I know schools are kind of in a weird limbo situation in, you know, I think, what's it, Ohio State recently had a couple of players who came back for workouts testing positive. And I hope that doesn't happen for Georgia State at all. Um, but, you know, I, I get the feeling that people look at, the precautions that people want to take and kind of they're looking at the Dr. Fauci's of the world and think that, oh, we don't want football. No, I I personally would love for there to be a fall football season, you know, and I'm sure there are millions of other people who want that too. So generally, I hope that everybody can stay safe and get their off-season workout in any way that they possibly can. And, you know, we can do it in a safe manner to actually play the games. Yeah, now that by and large teams are reporting back to campus in whatever safe fashion is being determined school to school, it's starting to be the time where over the next month or so, we're going to need to start seeing just concrete, like this is what will happen if this happens. or There needs to be a little bit more, this is the way it is going to be, because I think there's been a lot of discussion. I mean, I'm sure since May, since April, since March, a NCAA group of people at the top have been thinking about this or at the conference level, however it's working out, have been saying, we need a plan for this. What could we do in case there's a breakout? What, what are we going to do if a team has a lot of cases show up right before they're supposed to play and like how it's going to work with, if it can be a full schedule, whatever, I'm sure all these conversations have been going on for a while and that there's a lot of different possible solutions, but I think what fans, what coaches, what athletic departments, what podcasters are going to be interested to see is an actual, this is what it is going to be. And I think that's got to start coming now that teams are coming back to work out, especially once camp rolls around and we're within a month of their actually supposedly being football. I don't know who has to decide this thing, if it's an NCAA thing or if they're letting schools or if they're letting conferences decide on their own, but concrete information has to start being decided. And I think that that will calm down people who are not naysaying, because as David says, we want football, but I think that people want football with the idea that it's being done responsibly and not just, well, we have to have football back because we have to be open and we have to get this money in because it's a moneymaker. I don't, I think the people who are still asking questions are worried that there is a desire to press ahead no matter what. And that would be a bad scenario. So, moving into basketball now, the Sunbelt has had obviously their voices just as prominent as any other conference around the country. And a former Texas State player, Jalen Sheed, uh, released some comments about his former coach at Texas State, Danny Kaspar. 
And honestly, the comments are a little illuminating, if you ask me. Well, I mean, full disclosure, you're the person who the comments and their effects should matter most to, given the, the nature of some of them and given that you are a black man in America. So definitely, if you and what you and Jalen say and anyone who personally could feel what has been said, say you should pay attention to this. The fact that people haven't necessarily been listening to that in the past is part of the problem of why this is still an issue in 2020, if we're being honest. I'm not going to read what was said, but I mean, you're right. And it's, I think the, the interesting thing is a lot of it is probably very subtle and I'm sure that we could go around every school, you know, probably around the country and, you know, see and hear of stories told about, sorry, hear and have stories told about similar language and similar comments, you know, but it's, it's probably more personal when you see it so close to home to a school like that it's in that is in Georgia state's immediate sphere, you know, and it's, it's crazy because I'm sure Mr. Casper is a nice guy. You know, I'm sure, you know, we could sit here and give all of the normal excuses and platitudes, but it's just so jarring to see, you know, somebody who is supposed to be, you know, that authoritative role, you know, say some of the things that, Jalen has said that Danny said. Yeah, if you want to read up, I mean, Jalen put it out on social media. Part of the continuing emboldenment of players to speak out about their experiences. Uh, as of recording, Texas State's announced an investigation into the situation. Uh, a few other players, both from his time at Texas State and Stephen F. Austin, have had their own accounts, some of them uh, confirming the experience of Jalen, some of them also talking about their positive experiences with Coach Casper. And so adding to the fact that it's a very complicated issue and that not everyone's experiencing the same experience. Um, but it, it is continuing the voices of you can't just say whatever as you're leading the program like this, a, a program of a lot of young black men and still have, you know, racial undertones to it in 2020 because players are starting to be able to say how they feel about it. And I think that's a good thing. I obviously should play out. Um, whatever happens should happen. And we can't really prejudge what that would look like, but I the most important thing in this is the social moment and what it means for possibly changing the world. But I mean, I can't avoid the basketball side, which is the Texas state's been Texas state top conference team for the last couple of years. And it should change, you know, if, if they're worse because they lose him as a coach, because that's what's decided that that should happen. It's not like good results should condone anything that's going on that players aren't happy with but like it isn't just we aren't just bringing this up as a case of like this happened close to home it's also just like could have an effect on the Sunbelt basketball world and I mean 
as we're a sports podcast about the Sun Belt or about a Sun Belt team, it feels like we can't go without mentioning that part of it. But like we, I let off with the podcast saying, I'm already not 100% comfortable talking about the sports implications of it because it is such a more important thing than that. But that is something that's kind of going to be looming over the Sun Belt basketball world until anything comes of this. And I do hope something comes of it. Um, I'm not obviously involved with the investigation. I am obviously not a former Texas State basketball player or a current one. So there's only so much that I can personally say. Um, And I'm not going to sit here and call for Mr. Casper's job. Um, I think as an outsider, that's a little bit unfair to a point. Um, But I will say that I hope that there is a restitution that comes and that community can either heal or, you know, come to a much better understanding as to why certain things aren't appropriate to be said or, you know, they can recognize what did or did not happen um, and how that and how things can move forward from there. In some actual Georgia State basketball news, we do have some transfer destinations for players leaving the program. Kevontae Ivory is going to land at Morehouse, and Josh Linder transferring to Tennessee State. Um, best of luck to those guys. Wanted to give an update to a story we had covered previously, both in the pod and on the website. Um, so, again, best of luck to those guys. Um, nothing but love from the Georgia State community, and uh, looking forward to seeing what those guys can do in their new destinations. Yeah, I mean, the Kevontae transfer he posted a picture of him a photoshopped morehouse uniform so like 90 percent, that's definitely happening and there's always the off chance it's just one of those like i'm looking at this school thing but um it did remind me of when austin donaldson transferred to clark atlanta a couple of years back and he actually had a, a very good time at clark atlanta as i recall i don't have his stats or anything pulled up at the moment but I definitely think Kevontae can play, and I think it's going to be an opportunity for him, if that's indeed where he's going, to show out. I want to echo those same sentiments for Josh Linder. Um, I'm really bummed it didn't work out at Georgia State for Josh, but I truthfully hope that you know he's able to take and continue and grow his career at Tennessee State because when he was on, man, he was fun to watch. I definitely going into this past year wouldn't have pegged first double double to be Josh Linder against Charleston in this the second game. I mean, it's, that game surprised me. Um, he continued to offer a lot at times through the season. I the general theme at the end of the year was aside from just shooting woes, which just no one was really taking the authority in the front court and. So there was still things to get worked out. And I think just time was an issue with the years of eligibility left and just a a fresh start for him to maybe get that in Tennessee state. But both these guys I think can play. And I I hope for them to get a little bit more of a good taste in the mouth about basketball at this level, get that at their next destinations. All right, so uh, moving on to the next segment, it would not be a Thursday night podcast episode without some listener questions. And as always, we've got Mike from Marietta chiming in, wanting to know, you get to go to only one more GSU football game the rest of your life. Who do you want to watch the Panthers play in that one game? I feel like that's a tough question, but it's a really good one. And it's it's tough because 
ultimately you want to have a good, like fun back and forth game, you know, but sometimes I kind of want to answer it with like a, you know, a Oklahoma or a, you know, an Oregon or, you know, somebody big and national. But I think for me, honestly, I'm going to say app state. And I know that's kind of a boring answer because Georgia state plays app state every year. But I know that just based on how math and statistics work, that work that Georgia State is going to beat App State in a football game, and damn it, <laughs> this year is the year. Baby, I, come on, I, man. I know that it's going to happen, on, and I want it. And I—that's the one. That's the game that I want to watch, and it's going to be a win too. It put that on for the rest of eternity. The first time Georgia State beats App State. Apparently, for the last time in eternity, also. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'll just go with the the Homer Sancher and say if if there is going to be a game that should matter more than most in Georgia State football lore, it's against Georgia Southern. I mean, it's been the games that have had the most juice in them. For you know, sometimes it was a bad thing with the 2015 game where personal fouls kept happening, but there's just been, it, it feels like if there's one game left, you want it to be one where there's a lot of charged energy and from the crowd and from the players. And that game's always been that way since it started. And so that would be my answer again, maybe a little of a cop out, but it's not really that much of a cop out because that's what I was going to say, except I want to make the stipulation that it's at home and it's a packed house and the packed house are wearing the correct shade of blue. There's fair correction. I mean, I'm going to be a contrarian here, but while it's not good if like the entire stadium is Georgia Southern fans, having Georgia Southern fans there. I mean, you need that energy too. in the rivalry game like that. You need support from both teams there. And as Georgia State can continue to hone in on their fan base and get the attendance going in those games and continue to build the stadium around, that stadium for that rivalry game definitely has the potential to be one of those atmospheres because the the hate has been there since before Georgia State had football, really. And the rivalry's grown from specific games and specific outcomes of games in this rivalry. And once it's a case where Georgia State's filling out the seats there and Georgia Southern is still bringing their fans like they're going to, really feels like one of those games that on the smaller regional rivalry level could really be something. It's not going to be Georgia-Georgia Tech, but no, it could be something. The 2015 and 2017 games at Georgia Southern, I think, are still... The 2015 one, I think, is still my favorite Georgia State game of all time. Very, very closely edging out a couple others, but that kind of environment is just like, even especially in the 2017 game when it was pretty much neck and neck most of the game, it's like, I've never had that kind of experience as a fan, any other game that I've been to. I mean, I've, I've had some of that are close. Yeah. Rivalries are just that way. It's just something indelible about it. You can feel the tension. You can feel the stakes more than in other games. That's what makes rivalries special. So I'm going to give what I thought was going to be the easy answer for all of my uh, Cretans that uh, hang out in the RCFB uh, college football subreddit <laughs> that 
the 2025 national championship where Georgia state is crowned <laughs> national championships would be my choice. Okay. Now, if that's yep. not an option, I think I'm going to go in opposite direction of you guys and say, if I could only watch the team live one more time, I would want to do it in a, to see like a historic game where Georgia state is playing somewhere else that like a, a crazy wild venue that they never would have been able to do. Otherwise, maybe something like playing at Michigan, playing at Stanford, you know, playing, uh, in Death Valley at LSU, like one of those just insanely hyped up college atmospheres that no matter who you're going to play, you could be playing baked potato state or your biggest rival. Like the, the fans are going to show out just seeing that kind of atmosphere and have George state be a part of that would be my answer. That's a good one. Just wait till they make a new year's six bowl this year. I wonder if we could do that Wait till we even have play. new year's six bowls this year. I don't know. Some random SEC team like a Tennessee, maybe, <laughs> you know, I I'll sure wish we could play Tennessee. You know? we, yeah, I mean, maybe Tennessee. I think that would I mean, be a fun game. They could, you know? play, they could play them close. I mean, when we'll see on the day, but, you know, play them close, maybe. Don't be shocked. Don't be shocked. That's all I'm saying. All right, so uh, next question is from our friend Ben on Twitter. And he wants to know, what's the perfect kickoff time for home games this fall? I'm glad you asked, Ben, and it's not 2 p.m. And here's why. It's hot, it's sweaty, and fall in Atlanta sucks in the sun. 7 o'clock or bust. I like to think that that was one sentence with just a bunch of commas and a bunch of just and no no punctuation, <laughs> no, punctuation actually. no commas, just, no nothing. Stream of consciousness. It was like an E. e. Cummings poem. I mean, that's how I <laughs> that's why I write anyway before it gets edited, so that's fine. Um, I mean, I can't fault you. I feel like I don't know if we we talked about this on the pod or not last time around, but there is just a functional amount of like in the South, you shouldn't have kicks in too early until like October, late October, right. like just functionally daytime in the South in September. It's just hot. I remember it was a game I didn't actually go to, but the Western Michigan Georgia state home game in 2018 looked Oof. like one of those days where it was, it was 2 PM Western Michigan won pretty handily. And it looks just kind of like a miserable day to be at just because Sun was beaming down the whole time. You know it was hot because it was in the middle of September. Um, so not just because night football is the best, even though night football is the best, but there definitely needs to be a, no game earlier than six until a certain point in the season. And then have it at night anyway because night football is the best. Yeah, I was just I have nothing else to add other than night football. Yeah, it just adds something special to the environment of a game where it's not, oh, hey, we got to be at, I remember, God, in the when we were playing in the Georgia Dome and a bunch of the tailgater guys were setting up at like 8 a.m. for a noon kickoff. Like, are you, are you serious? Like, I, I understand that with the Georgia Dome came certain restrictions of time because they had to turn it around for the Falcons and other events and we didn't own the venue. But on 8 a.m. parking lot open? Come on. At least if, if it's a 7 o'clock kickoff, especially now that we have the Summerhill area starting to get built up and developed and you have a critical mass of students and athletes even living near the stadium, you have an opportunity to activate that entire area and create a Georgia State neighborhood. And if you have a 7 o'clock kickoff, you have people walking around 3, 4, 5 o'clock, getting dinner, tailgating, going to these shops on Georgia Avenue, and then everyone comes in the stadium, and you have a great football game. And then you leave, and it's not so late, like a 7.30 kickoff, you might have people leaving like 10. It's still, it's like 9, 9.30 if the game's fast, and you can still go home and get everybody ready to go before it's midnight. That's You can't lose. 
Jordan's put some thought into the question. <laughs> I have put a substantial amount of thought into this question every time I had to wake up 6 a.m. for marching band report time for six straight years. But yes. I, I will say, <laughs> your general point is very true. But as a like bona fide college football program, Georgia State won't have made it made it made it until there are fans at 8 a.m. tailgating for a 7 p.m. kick. Right. Like there, there are is, people that will do that, by the way, that, right that, now. But yeah, I mean, there's a measure that they uh, that, that is needed, but you're right that it shouldn't be needed because the game is so early. Well, thank you guys for your listener questions. As always, please submit any questions for future podcast episodes uh, to us on Twitter, Facebook, folks, Spoke signal, carrier pigeon, however you decide to get your message out. We'd love to hear it and love to talk about it on the next episode. Um, for you guys out there, please be safe. Be, you know, everything's going on right now. There's a lot of crazy stuff. You know, coronavirus hasn't gone away. Um, so just hopefully everybody out there in the Panther family and beyond is hanging in there and doing well. And uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. See ya. The Thursday Night Podcast is a production of ThursdayNight.com, the independent source of choice for all things Georgia State sports. This podcast and all included sounds are exclusive property of and copyright 2019 Jordan Crawford Enterprises, LLC, on behalf of ThursdayNight.com, unless otherwise specified. The podcast is produced by Programming Director Brady Weiler and Technical Director Jordan Crawford, with assistance from co-hosts Taylor Dynan and David Salmon. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud, as well as podcast aggregators like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. To submit questions and comments, or to request information on advertising and corporate partnerships, contact the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as at Thursday Night, or via email at thursdaynight at gmail.com.